Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Your Cyber Path. Glad to have you back for another episode. My name is Kip Boyle, and I'm here with Jason Dion, my co-host. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing great, Kip. How are you doing today? I'm doing really, really well. I'm thinking about uh, the fact that I'm going to meet up with you again here pretty soon in Orlando, and we're going to actually do what we've been talking about doing lately, which is record the, uh, the risk management framework course. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Get that thing recorded so we can share it with everybody, get it up on Udemy and, uh, and help people wrestle with this monster uh, NIST uh, risk management framework. And I got to tell you, it's, it's been a, it's been kind of a heavy lift for me since, you know, I'm not that familiar with it. Of course, you're a lot more familiar with it. And, and we've gotten help from a couple of really smart people. We're going to be including uh, those folks in our class. Um, and you've, you've actually done RMF implementations. Our two, uh, the two people who are helping us have definitely done a lot of RMF implementations. So I love the fact that we're going to bring such a real world perspective to this kind of abstract, dusty little document. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, I think the reason you haven't done a lot of RMF in the real world is because you don't do a lot of the government contracting and government workforce stuff. And RMF is so tied into that area uh, versus the, the commercial sector, which really focuses more on the NIST cybersecurity framework or the, the NIST CSF course that we did earlier this year. Uh, and, and I think it really, these two just, they pair up really well together because RMF works really well with CSF. Uh, and it really does give you a different perspective on how things work. And, and I really am appreciative to having uh, Rebecca and Drew help us with this course. Uh, and both of them are, are or will be guests on this podcast as well. Uh, Drew, I know we recorded that episode, I think it was last week or the week before. Rebecca is coming up uh, next week. Um, yep. And in, in the next couple of episodes, either right before or right after this one, you'll be hearing from both of them and some of their knowledge on RMF as well. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, that's kind of what I've got in my mind. But today, uh, we're going to do an episode. We've got a guest. His name is Mike Hillman. And I think I'm going to call this episode, which I think is going to be uh, 82. I think, I think we're going to call this Truck Driver to Cybersecurity Analyst, because <laughs> this is a fantastic story we want to share with everybody uh, very inspirational. Mike has done something really great for his career. And we want to talk about that. We want to put a spotlight on Mike. And we want to show you, you know, what's possible when you really want to do something, when you're really, uh, you know, focused on getting into cybersecurity, wherever you come from, you can do it. So, uh, yeah, Mike, welcome. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Um, yeah, Mike had reached out to me and he had told me a story and I said, you know what, if you're willing, I would love to have you on the podcast because uh, I, I think a direct quote from Mike in the messages and we were chatting back and forth was, well, hey, if I could do it as a truck driver, anybody could do it. Because we always hear people say, I can't get into cybersecurity. I don't have experience. No one will return my calls. No one gives me a chance. And then Mike reaches out. He's like, I did it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about that with Mike. And I figured, you know, if I was going to learn from him, I figured everybody else in the audience could learn from him as well. So, you know, the first thing I want to ask Mike is, you know, tell us a little bit about your last position and why you wanted to move out of that and into cybersecurity. I was a construction truck driver. I drove a flatbed truck, uh, that 25 to 27 foot truck. Uh, 
I delivered construction equipment all through the city I live in. Uh, I did it for about two years prior to that, to that, I was also a truck driver again for FedEx this time. So my whole walk from graduating high school to up at the last year, I knew nothing but driving trucks. I, that's all I know and that's all I ever did. I was never, I wasn't just genius that just decided to drive truck, but you know what? I'm just going to do this instead if I can. <laughs> yeah, my cousin actually has been a truck driver for about 30 to 40 years now. Uh, he's over the road trucking, which is where you can make a really good living, but you're away from your family all the time. And so he then moved to in-town trucking, which sounds like what you were doing. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of deliveries for things like Home Depot and Lowe's and and driving things from the distribution center to the grocery stores and stuff like that. Um, but what he found was when he started working locally, he made significantly less money, like 25% of what his old salary was. Um, and, and, you know, he's constantly looking for, you know, what is the next thing that he's going to get into? Um, and, you know, he loves truck driving. It's, it's a great you know job for him, but, um, but yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, if the money to be made is where you're over the road and away from your family a lot. So I know a lot of truck drivers are like, it's a hard life. And, uh, you know, even I, I've heard a lot of things recently in the news where truck drivers, uh, they're having a really bad shortage of truck drivers because for every one person that's coming in the business, there are two people leaving the business at the same time. Uh, so it is, it, it is a very, uh, difficult job. Um, so when you were looking at, you know, moving into cybersecurity, why did you decide cybersecurity? I mean, there's a million other jobs out there. Uh, what about cybersecurity was drawing you to it? I, I have a friend who's a, uh, network engineer. And I, I, he's the first person I went to when I decided I need wanted something different, which I could tell you the exact date I decided I wanted something different. It was wow. May tw- yeah, it was May twenty-eighth of twenty twenty-one. It was the exact date. I remember getting done work. And I, I called him other, yeah, this isn't for me. I had a rough day at work. I was like, this isn't for me anymore. <laughs> so I called him and he told me he's like, Oh yeah, it should be a network engineer. So like it's a fun job. He had me come over his house and Show me what he did, like day to day, and I. It was interesting, but I was like, I don't know if that's something I like to do every day. It sounds sounds like very stressful, but it's you know cybersecurity is very stressful. But he deals his specific job is dealing with a lot of trouble tickets and complaining. But he was uh, it was it just seemed like not something for me. I was like, what other careers are out? And he's like, he broke it down and he said, you can become a a developer. You can do it. Cybersecurity, and uh, as soon as he said it, yeah, just something like just hit, and I was like, I, I want what's that about? Like, he showed me a video on YouTube. Uh, I want to say his name is Nathan Alice. Yeah, I think I think I got it right. well actually. <laughs> yeah, he showed me a video of him YouTube. And he, uh, I assume he showed me it was like it was it was just doing certain stuff. Like I, I he was just breaking down certain careers, and I. Like fell in love with it right there. I just felt like it, it felt like more of a a battle. Like I'm instead of work, like I'm, I'm constantly like, like fighting for something. I'm constantly like keeping guys out of this thing. Where instead of just and another thing about the career is just it wasn't the same thing every day. Yeah, it, I, it's not. It's I learned that now. Now I'm actually that job. It's I had my trucking route. I, I knew. I knew on Tuesday. I knew what I was doing next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and in this job, it's like it's two forty-five now, and I ten minutes I could losing my mind over something completely different than I was. To, I was all calm, like just now, or like I'm on this call with you guys. I had twenty in an hour. I could be doing something completely different. That like 
uh, learning something new every day. That, that, that's what that's what really brought me to it. Yeah, that's one of the things I really love about cybersecurity is that you know the industry is always changing. It's always evolving. You're always having to upskill and 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 you're facing new challenges all the time. And even on a, a daily basis, you know, you might come into the office thinking you're expecting one thing to happen, and then you find out that there's been some bad guy in your network that broke in last night, and now that entire plan is out the window because now you're you're fighting the fight. Uh, and it, it can be very exciting, but also very stressful, as you said. Um, you know. One of the things that I think that, you know, is, is really interesting is that, you know, it is that different thing that you get every day um, and, and different skills and different challenges that you're going to face. So it does keep work a lot more interesting than having to, um, you know, punch a clock from nine to five every day doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. I, I get very bored very easily if I have to do the same thing a million times. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, would, I would go crazy being a, a trucker doing the same route every single day. <laughs> that is Great. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, if that's what you like, that's fine. Yeah, some people, especially for me, that just was stuff that I see myself doing 20, 10, 20 years down the road. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing you had mentioned was Nathan House's uh, stuff on YouTube. Uh, for those who don't know Nathan, he is really big in the cybersecurity area. Uh, he does a lot of courses that are extremely hands on. So when you take one of Nathan's courses, um, you can find them over at stationx.net. Mm-hmm. I'll verify that. I, I think it's uh, stationx.net. Yeah, it is .net. Uh, so if you go to stationx.net, he has a lot of great courses there. So he's got courses on how to use Nmap, how to use Metasploit, how to use Kali Linux, uh, how to use Wireshark, and just really dives in deep into each of those different tools to help you build up the school, uh, your, your skill set. Uh, in addition to that, Mike, what other kind of classes or search and degrees did you do to help get yourself from, hey, I'm a licensed you know, commercial truck driver into somebody needs to hire me as a, as a cybersecurity analyst. What was kind of that path like for you as you tried to make that transition? I started off, uh, I, I started off with just going to my friend's house every day that I could and, and just breaking some stuff down for me. And then I definitely uh, did enough research of like a, a roadmap. I made a roadmap for myself. Uh, I started off with the A plus certification. I, I got that and I, I got these all like three months yeah. from the A plus to security plus. And that, I, I don't, that. <laughs> I do not recommend that. Was that, that was that, a, was that a big load? Was that like a heavy that, load? That was so much. I was, I, oh my God, it was just constant. I was like, I, I felt, I felt myself burning out and I was, I told, like, I eventually told myself I had to relax because I didn't even start working and I feel burned out. <laughs> so I started off with A plus, I did that. I used um, a Unity course. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But I used Jason Neon's practice again for that. Yep. And then I want the network plus. I used Foral site. That's what it was the, uh, for for all for those the A plus and then the practice tests. And I used uh, Jason Neon's uh, course for network plus and then security plus. So I did those. I did the, the A plus first and the Network plus second, then the security plus I eventually got in March. And that's when I like, calmed down a little bit for certifications. And I started working more of a, on a hands-on approach of trying to figure out, uh, like trying to do stuff was because the, I was just learning terms and like uh, reading books and like uh, watching the videos. And I, I was getting a lot of hands-on stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. You know, um, you know, two, two big key takeaways there, right? You did a lot in a three-month period which is good and bad, right? The good thing is you really focus, you get through it really quickly. What I find is when you start dragging it down and it starts taking six or 12 months, 
um, you start forgetting things that you learned in the first week by the time you get to the end of month three or four, right? And so doing it in a quicker, compressed time does help you pass the exams. Um, the, skip, the, the challenge with that is when you're in a very compressed time like that, you're getting just overloaded with information and you don't have a lot of time to really implement that information and do the hands-on thing. So you know, as you're taking Security Plus and you're learning about the CIA triad and you're learning about encryption techniques and all that, you probably didn't have time to stop and do all the hands-on stuff of, how do I set up a SSL or TLS cert for a web server? And how do I configure, you know, uh, asymmetric versus symmetric key encryption, things like that. Whereas after you got those certs, you could then go back and, and kind of plug in those holes or those experience gaps. Um, I know when you had emailed me, one of the things you had told me was you had taken uh, some of John Strand's courses. Uh, and he's been a guest on the podcast as well. Uh, okay. I know Kip, you, you've known John for many years. Uh, yep. John is really big in um, a lot of the hands-on courses as well. I think the one you took was the SOC skills course. Is that right, Blake? Yeah, SOC core skills. Yeah, that, that was the first. That was the second. The first thing I did after Security Plus. I did a lot of research on what I should do now. I was kind of stuck at Security Plus. I was like, oh, okay, now this, what do I do? Like, it's just that now I had that roadmap for myself where I was like three to four months doing that, and I had nothing after that besides trying to find a job. But then I realized when. I was looking up videos and like watching people work with Wireshark or like watching people work with this like uh, uh, like Splunk or something. I know what these are, I know what they do, but I don't know my way down. Yes, so I found John uh, John Strand's course on YouTube, uh, YouTube and then I, like, I signed up for it on his website, and that I that was amazing. It was four day course, and I I I, I thought I that guy. I gotta thank him so much that he taught me a lot in those four days. Yeah, John does a great job with his courses. I really like how hands-on they are. And then I know he also does a kind of a unique thing where he does the uh, the pay what you can model, I think is what he calls it, right, Kim? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pay uh, what you can. So, so his whole goal is he wants to reach as many people as possible and he doesn't want money to be a barrier of entry. Um, and he came from the world of sales, which has awesome courses, but they're four, five, six, seven thousand dollars for a one-week course. And John didn't want that kind of thing. He wanted to make sure everybody had access to it. And that's why he started doing mm -hmm. all the stuff with um, Black Hills, InfoSec, and, and, and the Pay What You Can model with all of his courses. Go ahead, uh, Mike. Uh, it's, I, I point up because they're more than that price. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the SANS courses are crazy expensive. Uh, somebody was telling me now, I think they're eight or $9,000. last yeah. time I saw them, when I looked at them, they were 5000 and I was surprised to hear now that they're eight to nine thousand um, dollars. Because even at five thousand, they were super unaffordable. And the only people I ever know who have taken Sam's training is when their company pays for it for them. Because yeah, if you're you know not employed yet. You can't really afford that. Um, it's, it's it's a super high amount of money. Uh, they're great courses, but they're stupid expensive. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's obvious that they're pivoting to large enterprise, right? That they're going to yeah. dedicate, you know, to to companies that are willing to pay that that amount of money, but then what about the rest of us, right? So yeah, I love what John Strand is doing. I think his vision uh, for providing affordable, uh, high quality training. I mean, John used to teach for SANS and, uh, and, and I used to teach for SANS. It's great, uh, you know, it's great practical material. I think John, the quality of the, of the training that John's putting out on these uh, pay what you can courses is excellent. He could easily charge four or $5,000 uh, for, for what he's doing compare you know if you compare it to what sans is, is putting out so i'm really glad you got a chance to take john's uh john's course mike uh what did you think of it i love i love i love that it's live it's mm -hmm. like you're right there you're talking it 
you're on Discord. You can you can ask a question. He'll answer any question there. I love every part of it. I there no nothing bad about that. And are you using what you learned in John's course in your job? Yes, uh, a lot a lot of the command line stuff he taught. Uh, it's un- the the a uh, couple of tools he uses. I get to use on this job, but it's it's just there's a lot of stuff that he just says like you know, like everything that he says and does. It's just, so that's it, great yeah it brought me up like my my skill set within four days i i feel like i i was ready job ready dead by problem oh, just started that, one day that's amazing i don't know if you've given john that feedback yet but if you haven't i would i would find some way to pass him a note and let him know just just how you know important that experience was for you i'm sure he'd he'd be very happy to hear that uh, yeah, I said I said to him in the Discord, like I like thanked him for it. I actually great. Right. Uh, as soon as I started my my role now, I uh, I seen like I uh, like four days before my uh, role started. He had he had a four day course going. It was I think it was uh, Cyber Deception. It was called that the course. Yeah, yeah, I took I, I paid and took that, and uh, just another course that was I I bought and learned so much from. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I find in the cybersecurity industry is there is so much to learn uh, that you will constantly be going back for more courses and more training as you try to level up into different areas. Uh, you know, one of the other things that I heard you say when you were talking about the, you, know, you kind of built your foundation with A plus, Net plus, Security plus, which is what most people do. And those courses are really good at giving you a general baseline knowledge to make sure you have this foundation to build upon. But, uh, you know, it's not a hands-on practical course, like when you start taking, you know, an NMAP course or a, or a Wireshark course or the SOC skills course that John has. Um, and they're not meant to be, right? They're, they're meant to just be able to have a common baseline knowledge to hire you. We know that you have at least this level, um, and then we can build up on top of that. And I think that's what, what's great about those type of courses. But uh, the other thing is, you know, when you're doing those, you can burn yourself out. If you're, all you're doing is course after course after course. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is I like to build in breaks. So, you know, you'd mentioned you've done three in, in, in three months. Um, I probably would have done like A plus, taken a week off, done network plus, taken a week off, gone to security plus, taken a week off, and then go to the next thing, right? But give yourself little breaks as you go. And as you go throughout your career, you want to make sure you don't burn yourself out either. So it's important to build in things like vacations, training time, upskilling time, and all of that. So you don't burn out because, as you said, cybersecurity could be a very stressful job. Um, let's move move into the third thing I really want to talk about, which was your current position, right? So you were a truck driver. You went and got some some basic certs, A plus, Net plus, Security plus. You got some hands on training using John's stuff and Nathan's stuff, um, and being able to get that. And then you went to go find a job. What kind of a job were you targeting? And what kind of feedback were you getting when you were putting in your resume and your application? I was mostly targeting a SOC analyst position. That's yeah. a, a lot of what I read. So I, a lot of people said it's like, that's usually your starter role. That's where you get to start. That's where you have to start. That or like that help desk position. Yeah. Like I just, uh, like a start tier one help desk. I wasn't applying for those roles. I was only applying for the slot analyst jobs. And I was getting interviews, but uh, every, I, multiple times this happened to me, I think three times exactly, where I got to the second or the final interview and they like they they really liked me, but they said we have someone else who has the more experience than you. And unfortunately, like we we need him right now. That's what we need. And they, but there's like they always said there's nothing wrong with you, nothing that you did or didn't do. It's just he has more experience, and that that was like the negative part of it. 
but but uh, the positive part, which I recommend other people do, is but ask a lot of questions when you're interviews. When you're interviewing the hiring manager, I I, I was asking these guys a like hundred questions. Like, what do you like? If they asked me a technical question, I did. Like, if I answered it, and they said, uh, "Yeah, that's a good answer." I was like, "What well, what would you say though? Like, what was your answer? How did mm. you find this?" And I I always did that, and I think I think they they really appreciate that I did that, especially job that position i have now because i think that was one of the main reasons they uh said they they eventually uh, hired me i love that that's what a what a great technique where did you learn that i i just i just wanted to pick these like i i I would always like get their name and i would look them up on linkedin and i would see that these guys have 20 years of experience they did all this i was like i have to pick this guy's brain a little bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's what i I just came up with it side that's what i was going to do i i Ask these guys a hundred questions. <laughs> so you get fantastic. It was still a learning experience through that interview process as well. Uh, and, and you know that brings up a really good point. Uh, I know a lot of people get discouraged, especially when you're trying to break in and you don't have a lot of experience, and think that hey, it's never going to happen. And really, it comes a numbers game. Yeah, it's a lot harder to get a job when you don't have experience because you know if we have ten people applying for this position or ten people we interviewed for the position and eight of them have experience and two of them don't. We're probably going to pick one of the eight people who have experience because as a hiring manager, Kip and I could tell you that, you know, we posted a job because we have a problem that we need solved. And you hire somebody who never had experience, they may not be able to solve the problem because they may not have the hands-on skills. If just having your Security Plus is not good enough because as you said, you didn't really get a lot of experience with those tools inside of Security Plus. But that's where I think your other experience by going through these other training courses was able to uh, get you past that hump. And I'm guessing in your current job, when you met with those hiring managers, they probably said, oh, well, we don't see you have a lot of experience here. You know, how do we know you can do the job? And probably said, well, hey, I, I did this course with John and I, I know how to do this tool, that tool. You can speak to those tools because you've had some hands-on experience with it. Is that kind of what happened with you of how you're able to kind of convince these folks to take a chance on you? Uh, or how did you work on that, that lack of documented experience? That's, that's, that's what it was. It was I, they, they seen I was all my free time. I was taking the time out like i wasn't going out and doing stuff like like going out on weekends or anything i was doing this i, I wanted this and they seen that i really wanted that they see all the but i put i put on my resume all the courses i did everything everything from like you to me to uh youtube like i, I took this hour course on youtube on wireshark i will throw it i will sneak back on resume somewhere and they they seen that they said like they do you know your way around Wireshark? i i, I I do, but I've never, I've never done it with a purpose where like, oh, I, you, like now if I'm doing for work, I'm like, I have to find something. It's, it's, it's not like, we're like, well, if I get an alert, I'm triaging an alert. I have to, I have to figure that out. And like when I was doing on the YouTube course, I was doing it, but I was like, oh, this is bothering. It's like, I don't know. I can figure it out. And I've actually get to the answers part. But that, but that, that was like that, That's what I told them. I, I, I made sure they knew I wasn't like I'm not an expert. I'm not, but I, I know my way around Bioshock. I know my way around like a Squonk or and that. I, I can figure it out, but I can't. Like I, I would have to. I would want you guys to watch me do it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know a couple of things when you're trying to stand out amongst people who have experience and you don't have experience. You know the, the things you can do is you can get additional training. And I really like how you're going after very hands-on courses instead of just continuing up the certification ladder. And now yeah. you've got the job in the SOC analyst, you'll probably go back and get your YSA plus and your pen test plus like that later on. 
But for right now, if you really focus on those hands-on skills, and by adding those to your resume, we're also doing something, and you knew this or not, you were also keyword stuffing your resume because when you said, hey, you know, when they said, hey, do you know how to use NMAP? And you're like, yeah, I took the introduction to NMAP course, or I took the soft analyst course that includes NMAP skills, right? Those words now show up on your resume and will pop up through APS, which helps get it in front of a hiring manager. Um, and so, you know, as I, I tell people all the time, you know, if you don't have experience, it's not a non-starter. It just makes your job a little bit harder of getting that first position because everyone is reluctant to make that first hire. But now in Mike's position, he's gotten that first job. He has, you know, a couple of months under his belt of being a SOC analyst. And in a year or two, when he's ready to go for a promotion or go to the next job, he's going to have such a much easier time because he already has that documented experience on his yep. resume. Uh, but being able to get that first job was based on these different courses he took, these different um, practicing on his own, using these tools hands-on. So that when he got to an interview, if somebody says, hey, have you ever used Wireshark before? It, you could say, I haven't used it professionally, but I've done this, 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 and this in these different courses or competitions or capture the flags or whatever. And that shows experience as well. So it's another way you can document that experience without having a paid position of experience. Kip, Kip what do you think about that? Boy, I, I tell people all the time just how important it is to get as much hands-on experience as you possibly can. And uh, you and I have, have also told people, we've even had a dedicated episode on the podcast where we've said, don't over-certify yourself. Two or three is pretty much all you need uh, to get that next job. And so, Mike, I just think you did a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, you just took a wonderful approach there. And I don't know if you've been listening to our podcast or if you listen to our advice or not, but the point is, is it worked. It made a difference for you. And I'm really glad. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I do listen to the podcast. I'm so excited when you invited me to it. <laughs> yeah, we're happy to but, have you here. Really appreciate it. And that, yeah, that, that, it, that, I'm sorry, yeah. Oh, I, I just say, I think, you know, the next big step for Mike is, you know, over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months, okay, continue building his skill, continue building that experience. Now he has documented experience of what he's done in his position uh, uh, and, and leverage that into his next position, either at the same company or at a different company. Uh, you know, a couple of qu other questions for you, Mike. Um, in the position you're doing now, you got hired on as a SOC analyst or a junior SOC analyst, what was the position title that you were you were going after for that? Security analyst wants that. That's the okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, for those listening in the audience, um, you'll see these things called different things. Sometimes they'll call it SOC analyst or junior SOC analyst or senior SOC analyst or something like that. If you're brand new and have no experience, you want to be aiming for those junior SOC analyst roles, or uh, as Mike found, sometimes they're called things like security analyst one. Uh, and there's usually like level one, two, and three based on uh, junior, regular, and then uh, kind of the professional level as you keep moving up. And generally that's, you know, less than a year of experience, two to three years of experience, and then three to plus years of experience. It's kind of how I see them break up those level one, two, and three, depending on the organization. Um, in your position, is this one where, is, uh, where are you located in, in the world? Like, where are you working from? Uh, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. Okay, cool. So you're actually in a big city. So uh, is your company also located in Philadelphia or is it a remote position? They're ready to call us a bridge. There's... Okay, cool. Yeah, so they're, they're really close by. Uh, and that's one of the nice things about being in a big area. I mean, if you were in the middle of uh, Kansas, maybe a little harder to find a SOC analyst job, although there are more and more these days and more and more of them are remote as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's nice if you're in a big city. I, I used to live in the D.C., Baltimore area, and there was just so much work for SOC analysts down there. 
between government contracts, military, and, and all of the different contractors out there. Um, and so your being in a location do, does definitely help. Um, and then for your organization, how large of an organization are you, is your company? Is this a business, large business? It's about medium-sized business. It's uh, like, exactly. It's Holman Enterprises, okay. our company, Holman. Uh, it's, 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 it's not like it's, I'm, I'm not, it's, it's a, I think it's, it's not small or like, but it's, it's medium size. It's not giant where I'm like overwhelmed with like all these emails or all these alerts. I think it's the perfect position for me to start. It's, it's not too, like too small where I'm just like getting bored all day or something, but, or if it's just enough where I'm not panicking because I'm overwhelmed with alerts or like with fishing emails <laughs> or something trying to figure it out now. So it's, I would say it's medium size to answer your question. And they, can I bring back to, uh, when you're applying for jobs, other people, I don't get bothered on what the requirements for the job are, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, the data requirements would say a line. I, for this job, if I base it off the requirements, I, I was qualified at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the things that, you know, Kip and I talk about in our hired course as well is that. You know, these lists that hiring managers put together of the job requirements, this is a wish list, right? This is like, if I could find the ideal perfect candidate, they would have all these things. And generally, nobody has all those things. And even if they did, the person who's hiring doesn't want to pay what it would cost to get that person. Uh, you know, I've seen some of these, these entry-level jobs, and they talk about five years of experience and must have experience with all these different tool sets. And I'm looking at going, I have 25 years of experience, and I still have to pay 100% of them. <laughs> And I'm a really smart guy on this stuff, right? And, and so, you know, what we always say is, you know, if you meet 50% of the requirements, go ahead and apply. Um, yep. And when you are brand new and you don't have all the experience, you kind of have to put out a lot of resumes and, and apply to a lot of things and see what sticks. Uh, I, I think, you know, in your story, one of the great things was the company you ended up at was a medium-sized company, which is really useful. Because if you go to a small company, you may have the ability where they're going to take you in and give you a chance because you're new and they're willing to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. The challenge with the small company is either there's not enough work to keep you busy or they're going to expect you to do everything because there's not enough single work for you to just be a cybersecurity analyst. When you get to a medium or large size company, you usually can focus on being a cybersecurity analyst uh, like you are in your position um, and you have enough work to do. But when you start getting into large companies, sometimes they get to be super bureaucratic. And so for the larger companies, if they say must have two years of experience, and they see zero experience, you just automatically get filtered out before a human ever sees it. And so that can be a problem too. So uh, sometimes I find that, especially for those who are trying to break in, that medium-sized company is kind of a sweet spot because you have people who still care. There's still enough work yeah. to do. They can afford to have one or two junior folks underneath the wing of somebody who is a little bit more senior to bring you up. And then you now become the medium guy and then they'll hire somebody else and you'll be training them next year as they're taking over this entry-level role. Uh, as you can keep moving up. So I, I think that's a, a really good uh, point to make, especially for those trying to break in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Mike, uh, you just started this job, right? How long have you been doing it? Yeah, I started um, August 1st. I'm like, month. Well, pretty, really fresh to it, yeah. Yeah, so at this point, you know, as we're recording this episode, it's been about 45 days that he's been on the job. Uh, still loving it. Uh, I know you and I started talking uh, about a month ago. Uh, and I know you were enjoying it and the challenges and everything that was, that was, uh, coming up with it. Uh, but yeah, that, that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Cause I just thought it was a really inspiring story to me how, you know, you came from not an IT background, you didn't go in through the help desk, 
Uh, you came from driving the truck, you got the certs, you got the hands-on training, uh, and then you're able to find a job and you're able to do that all in a relatively short period of time uh, and be able to, to get that position and now you're able to keep it up as you go. So uh, I, I think it's possible. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was very, very it happened it happened very very quick for me but that happened quick for me it could happen to anybody else definitely um uh, so yeah so uh you know as we're rounding up the episode uh i know you gotta get back to work i'm sure <laughs> uh i just wanted to uh thank you again for joining us today uh and if you have any uh last words or parting comments for the audience i'll pass it to you and then to kip and then i'll close this out uh, I, uh, if I were to start this over this process, I would definitely like from day one focus on getting hands-on experience. Yeah, even like even while I'm doing the certifications, I waited till the certifications were over till I passed them, and then I started getting hands-on experience. I would start from day one. Just everything you read about in any of the certification books, download that software, download that M app or something, and work on mm. it, get better at it every day. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, in fact, as I've been redoing all of my courses, I'm currently filming uh, A plus uh, 1101 and 1102 for part one and part two. Uh, and one of the things we're doing is we're doing a lot of hands-on demonstrations where I'm walking people through how do you use the tools uh, and not because it's covered on the exam. Uh, for instance, one of the objectives is identify the different components inside of the Windows control panel. Um, to do that, I could have just had a video that said, okay, this is what this component is. Here's its purpose. Here's where it is and moved on. But instead, we've actually spent five, 10 to 15 minutes at each of those tools, showing you how to use it. How do you set the settings? How do you configure it? How do you use these things? And as we go into you know, our cybersecurity course, we do the same thing with, here's how you use Nmap, here's how you use Wireshark. Now, in my courses, I definitely preface that with, you don't need to know this for the exam, but you need to know this to be a cybersecurity analyst, so it's still mm -hmm. important. Uh, and, and so I, I think that's a great point of getting hands-on whenever you can. And it doesn't have to be some big, expensive course, like a $9,000 standards course. It can be a pay what you are stock analyst course that John Strand has at his website or yeah. going over to Station X where he's got a catalog of all these different hands-on courses that you can buy as a monthly subscription. And it doesn't have to be expensive to get access to this great content that can really help you out. Uh, Kip? Mike, I really want to thank you for being here today. I, your story is inspirational. I imagine people are going to uh, really get energized by listening to what you've done. Congratulations. I'm really happy for you. <laughs> I really hope we'll see this. Really believe that they could do it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I want to thank everybody in the audience again for listening to another episode of Your Cyber Path. I want to thank Mike for joining us and telling us his story as he went from truck driver to cybersecurity analyst. And uh, it, it, as we close up this episode, uh, if you enjoyed the show, I really uh, appreciate it. If you can go over to Apple uh, Podcast and leave a review for us. Uh, we have a couple of reviews that just came in that I wanted to uh, thank uh, Mesa and Nova for leaving uh, five-star reviews. Uh, they found the, help, the podcast very helpful and they thought it was a great podcast that gives a lot of great information to help you break into or exceed inside the cybersecurity industry. And your reviews help other people discover this podcast and spread this brand and spread this awareness so we can help everybody else who wants to make this transition into the cybersecurity field. Uh, so please take a moment, uh, hit that review button and uh, just let us know how you're doing. Leave a comment and we'll uh, shout you out on a future episode as well. Uh, that being said, thanks for joining us for another episode and we'll see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now.
If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content.